Thanks for tuning in to listen to this week's Torah study class. Stay tuned after the Torah study for details on how to stay in touch with this ministry and keep up with all of our content. I hope you enjoy the study. Hello, everybody. We're back. This is the Torah of Messiah. We are in Vayikra, Leviticus chapter 17, and we're going to dive right in. All right. And Yahweh spoke unto Moshe, saying, Speak unto Aaron and his sons, and unto all B'nai Israel, and say unto them, This is the thing which Yahweh has commanded, saying, If there is any man from among the sons of Israel that kills an ox, or a lamb, or a goat in the camp, or that kills it without the camp, and has not brought it unto the door of the Ohel Moed, the tent of meeting, to present it as an offering unto Yahweh before the Mishkan, the sanctuary of Yahweh, Blood shall be imputed unto that man. He has shed blood. And that man shall be cut off from among his people. So we've seen that phrase right. a couple of times already, right? We talked about it last week, right? Look at that. I'm not sure that I've ever remember seeing it in that exact format. I don't recall seeing that last week. Does anybody remember this word? No. Uh, is it is it angel? No. Um, Kev. Sword? Kev, would that be like Keravim? Well, yeah. That's, yeah. that's what I thought, Keravim. No, Keravim are not angels. Oh, pardon, but Okay, angelic. Uh, the the things over the mercy seat. Yes. Well, uh, the reason I said that, uh, Elizabeth, is because angel is kind of a Greek concept. Messenger. Mm. Uh, messenger is the word in Hebrew, and that kind of is what what if I remember right. It's been twenty five years since I studied Greek. Twenty twenty five years, but if I remember right, messenger it, angel does. Kind of give you the same connotation as messenger, but it's just the baggage, the cultural baggage that comes with it. Um, most people don't realize angels don't have wings. The concept that angels have wings is non-biblical. All right. But Keravim do? Keravim do, but they're not angels. Right. Yeah. Okay. And All angels right. look like a man. That's right. Angels, every angel that makes an appearance before men in the Bible looks like a human being. It was, they were almost indistinguishable from men. All right. So that's why I said that. So I have refrained from using the word angel for that very reason. Mm -hmm. well, I do you. that to provoke the question. Why are you saying messenger and not angel? And then I'm going to explain it. So that's yeah. good. It's right. an anthropomorphic, anthropomorphic concept. It is. It is. But um, I think a better way to describe it would probably be that it is a spirit being. All right. That was created in the image of God. God is spirit, right? Mm -hmm. God is also a spirit being. He's not just air. He's not. Uh, a mist. He's not a gas. Are you with me? Yes. God has substance. It is a different type of substance than what we have. It's not flesh, but nonetheless, he is tangible. 
he is he can he can appear to mankind and he did several times right you guys remember that go back to the study on Exodus 34 right the yeah all right so but a messenger is a spirit being created in the image of God right and we were created in God's image so we look similar right Correct. Yes. Just like Ford created the, the Thunderbird and Ford created the Cougar. They look a lot alike, but they're not the same car. Same, same, similar idea, right? Right. All right. So, but yeah, Mikirev Amo, from the closeness of his people, he will be cut off, Nihrat, from. Mikerev from the closeness of his people. That's mm -hmm. what among is. That's our word for among. But it's rooted in being close because Keravim are mm -hmm. close to God. Those two messengers, those two beings, I should say, are the closest to God. And Lucifer was one of those. Ha Halel ben Shahar was one of those, right? All right, so the concept is nearness, closeness. It's also offering. Remember carbon? Mm -hmm. It's the same root word. It's Bring right there. Yeah. It's right up there. It's two words up, isn't it? Yeah, uh, two words up. Yes. Carbon. Yeah. Same root word. There's the root. There's the root. So bring your carbon, your offering. An offering brings you near to God, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit more to this than just, you know, you got to go away. You know what I mean? Yes. I think there's a lot of bit more to that. Yeah. Wow, that's just. All right. To the end that the sons of Israel may bring their sacrifices, which they sacrifice in the open field, even that they may bring them unto Yahweh, at, unto the door of the oil moed, unto the Kohen, and sacrifice them for sacrifices of Shalomim. You could say complete sacrifices to Yahweh, because Shalom is rooted in the word Shalom, which means whole and complete. All right. So. What this is saying is that don't offer your offerings anywhere but at my temple. Is that what everybody else reads into this whole passage? Yes, but does that mean they never ate meat unless it was part of the sacrifice? No, absolutely not. Okay. It meant that they weren't supposed to be offering offerings to God anywhere but in the temple. Okay. And because the reason was is... Uh, right. If, you know, at this point, it's the tabernacle. So what the, what the point is, is that when Abraham, Isaac and Jacob wandered in Canaan, they offered on every hill. Remember that? Yes. Anybody yeah. remember the purpose of that? To commemorate an event. To proclaim his name to the nations. There you ah. go. There you go. They offered on those hills. 
And those they built those altars, which had to hold a bull. These altars weren't the little tiny altars that we put in our living room. They weren't the little kneel down benches that you have in churches. This was a stone monument that was huge that you could put a whole animal on and you cooked that animal, you burned it in fire and the aroma went up and wafted over all the land and all the Canaanites smelled them. Mm. All right, so that system is going away. Now the witness is the temple itself and it's meant for all the world. One of the reasons I believe God picked the land of Israel, the land that he picked is because it is a land bridge. Does anybody not remember their geography, their world geography to, to see that? Would it benefit us to look at it? Yes, let's look at it. always benefit us <laughs> to revisit. Absolutely. We are looking, let me back it up a little bit more. Does everybody still see Israel? Oh, yeah. Yes. Let me do this. I'm going to zoom in from here, okay? You see Jerusalem right here? Right. Mm -hmm. Israel at that time was meant to be all of this. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So this wow. over here is Africa. This over here is Asia. And, of course, this up here is Europe. Israel is the land bridge. Anybody that was trading in this direction had to come through Jerusalem or very near there. Anybody that was trading this way, not going by ships, had to go through there. Anybody that wanted to go in either way, this way. Do you see what I'm saying? They didn't have cargo. Yes. All right. So everybody in the world who was a traveler had to pass by that temple. Right. It stood on the top of a mountain. It was made of gold. You've seen the pictures of it over and over, right? Mm -hmm. It was made of gold. It shined on the hilltop. Wow. You could see it for miles. You could see the smoke of the offerings wafting up. And when you got close enough, you could smell the aroma of it with the spices and the salt and the meat and all of that. It was a, it was a visual that you would never forget. It was, a, it was an aroma you would probably never forget. And it was sounds you would probably never forget because the priests were probably singing at certain times of the day. Okay. Mm -hmm. So God is saying, don't do it anywhere else. Why? Because they're pagans. They worship on every hill like you used to. Mm -hmm. You're not going to do that with me anymore. Right? Yes. Right. So I believe that's one of the reasons that God picked the spot that he picked and the people that he picked. And the reason that he's doing this is to, it's to go forth into all the world. Right. Yeah. Right. That's why you had people from around the world coming to the feast that weren't Jewish because they've been through there before. They've heard of it. Wow. You know, you remember what what did they say about Solomon and his wisdom? It was, it was heard throughout all the nations. All the nations heard of him because all the nations passed through there to trade with Egypt or to trade with India. All right. So. That's why I believe. So 
he's telling them, don't offer your offerings everywhere. Bring them to my the door of my Mishkan. Mm. All right. And what was right outside the door where they offered the offerings? The altar. His altar. That's right. <clears throat> and this is what he says. And the Kohen shall dash the blood against the Mizbeach. There it is, the altar, Mizbeach, the place of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. All right. That's what that, that's what altar means, is the place of sacrifice. And can I share something? Sure. Um, if y'all remember over in the Greek Hadashah where Yeshua was talking to the woman of Samaria in, in Samaria, he said, You you guys worship what you don't know. And he said, There come a time where you won't worship on this mountain, but you worship in spirit of truth, because they built their own temple. They sure on did. their own mountain. And then the, the tribe of Dan built their own temple in their own city. And we saw that. Yep. Um, we went to Israel, we saw that wreckage, you know, and where they had the altar in the high place. Yep. So so there was a lot of that going on because it was a, all the nations worship plenty of different gods in, in this way, but it was only the one true God. So anyway, sorry. Yeah, so no, it's good, Trace. It yeah. is it is the propensity of man to take it upon himself to change their behavior and justify it by the word of God or justify it by logical thinking mm-hmm. and and just do it their way. And that's exactly what happened in the in the nation in the tribe of Dan and in the tribe there was also one in the tribe of Ephraim. <laughs> Ephraim and Dan both built temples in their territories of Israel. And that's why, because what did they do? They, it, because they were deviating from the Torah, they went so far as to put a golden calf in there, just like their fathers had worshipped. Right. And mm-hmm. worshipped the golden calf, calling it by God's name. And they were destroyed for that. Mm-hmm. And they were forgotten for that. Only the remnant of them came back. The rest of them were forgotten and destroyed. The, the righteous remnant remained and came back and joined Judah. All right. So it is very important to, to know that. And, and I think I think that that w- could be what our Mikeriv is alluding to. The closeness of your people. All right. The closeness of the people of Israel is being with God. Right? Yep. So I think there's a little more than just from among your people. All right. Excuse me. This shall be a statute forever unto them throughout their generations. And you shall say unto them, whatever man there is of the house of Israel or of strangers that sojourn among them, that offers an Olah or sacrifice and brings it not to the door of the tent of meeting, to sacrifice it unto Yahweh, even that man shall be cut off from his people. All right, let's look at it and see if this one's any different. It looks like it's different in the English, doesn't it? Mm. Yep. Nichrat ha'ishahu me'amo, me'amav. So Mikerev is left off of this one, right? And that's how you see it usually. Nichrat ha'ishahu that's the usual way that you see it. That's why that other one kind of pricked my curiosity. Mm. All right. 
whatever man there is of the house of Israel or the strangers that sojourn among them that eats any manner of blood, I will set my face against that soul that eats blood and cut him off from among his people. That has it. All right. So, so it's the same idea, and that's for eating blood. All right. A lot of people are coming to realize that blood sacrifice hasn't gone away. It's just been done in the darkness. But now they're doing it in our faces. Everything. You're seeing it in culture. You're seeing it in entertainment more and more and more. And what it is, it's coming out of the corners. They've been doing it forever. When I was in St. Mary's, Georgia, I was stationed there 35 years ago, almost. And it wasn't long after I got there that I learned there were many witches and satanic covens all over the town. And there was a plague of, of blood sacrifices being made on the doorsteps of churches. Mm. And there was rumors of child sacrifices. Mm. And I kind of halted at that. But now looking back, I'm thinking there probably was because I've been hearing what's been going on, you know, what's coming to light uh, from some very sophisticated, highfalutin people that have been doing those things, mm. right? And so that's what God is talking about is do not drink blood, do not eat, consume. The word there is consume, I'm willing to bet. Um, eats any manner of blood. Right there, we're in verse 10. Ochelet et hadam. Yeah, ochel means to eat, to mm. consume. To, to make to go away, all right, mm. by imbibing. So um, any man who does that will be cut off from among his people, from the sacrifices, from the closeness of his people. Because of this, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. Mm-hmm. I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. It is the blood that makes atonement by reason of the life. All right. And I want to show you something about that. What do you, what Hebrew word do you think it is when it says life? Hi. You would be wrong. Ooh. Wow. Ki nefesh habasar. The soul of the flesh, flesh. the soul of the body is in the blood. Wow. Got you, got you. Oh, wow. The soul. So, okay. Why why is it like that? Kind of me, I'm not. I'm not God. I don't know. I, I, oh, there, is, <laughs> there is no way I can figure out what that means. But we do know this: when the heart stops beating, not long after that, the soul leaves, doesn't it? Yes. Yes. Something begins to happen to the blood, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> yes. And in the beginning, when when God created Adam, 
he puffed into his nostrils and his nefesh. He became a living nefesh. Right, a living nefesh. Shelly, Daniel, one second. Shelly, can you uh, corroborate that when, from a medical point of view, when the soul leaves the body, is there truly a loss of weight? Or Daniel, do you know? I don't know about a loss of weight, but I know what I've seen. And it's definitely a leaving. Right. Yeah, I, I, I've never heard about any weight loss or anything like that, but... I, I can I can I interrupt you? I did hear I did hear about it. Uh, there was a doctor that they uh, he was weighing people, and in each case, it's twenty one grams. Right, I've heard so, it. Right, I've never seen it for myself. Wow, twenty one right. grams. Twenty one grams. Wow. Yes, after wow. they die, everyone. Wow. I, I agree with with I with that because when I was um when I was doing uh, my training, um I went through the. I had to go through the uh, pathology department and I had to do a lot of autopsies and, um, and they, they weighed the body, you know, they weighed the bodies and they, they, they lost weight. You know, there was less weight, less, uh, yeah, less weight than when they were in bed, you know, in the hospital. So when they went down, so down so there the probably is a confirmation of that then. Yeah. They, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, it, it's to me it, it is a possible confirmation. I don't think it's conclusive, but it certainly looks that way. Okay. Yeah, and I, you know, to be honest with you, that I was very young uh, when I did my medical journey. I was like twenty-one. Um, I was very young, and um, I didn't know why. I thought it was fluids. I thought it was, you know, liquid or maybe blood. I, it was, but I never thought that it was the departure of the of the soul. You know, I, I really never thought about it, but they they lose weight. Yeah, they're and some of them they're more than than others. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and and so let me let me clarify. You're going to see this word defined as life in a lot of places, and it wouldn't be wrong. Um, is the soul confined to the blood? Probably not. I think it permeates the whole body, but it. To me, the blood is the connection, it's the, it's the conduit probably connecting the soul to the flesh itself. Well, the blood is a tissue. It's, it's considered to be a tissue. Okay. Well, it, but still, I think it's the, yeah. the conduit that actually connects the soul to the rest of the body. Well, if we, if we, if we, I mean, the soul is energy. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's energy and, um, and it's attached to the energy usually gets attached to something, right? So yeah. I, I think to me, I think it's, it's, uh, the soul is an fluent, a flow of energy. That's why know? I said, that's why I said that the blood is the conduit because it's, it's coming at it. I'm coming at it from electronics oh. background. And yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm connecting right now? Because uh water is conductive yeah absolutely liquid is conductive you know it has the energy okay so it makes a lot of sense to me right now okay yeah yeah so that i personally believe in a, you know and I'll, I'll probably be naysayed by a lot of 
theologians, but I personally believe that this is the deeper reason why God is telling us not to drink the blood. Because imagine if you drank the blood of a pig, do pigs have souls? According to the scriptures. They do. Yeah. The souls of the four-footed beasts return to the earth when they die. They mm -hmm. have souls. Dogs they have new face. Well, isn't Horses. that why some I'm sorry. Horses have souls. All of the four-footed beasts have souls. Mm -hmm. So if you consume the blood from a freshly sacrificed animal, you are defiling yourself in a horrible way. Wow. That's so freaking deep, man. Really? Yeah. There are there are cultures that do drink blood of their enemies or of their, so that they can absorb their whatever, their, their soul. Oh, really? there, are, there are Christian people all throughout the South, hunters throughout the South, who when they kill their first deer, they either eat the heart or drink the blood. Yes. Yeah. As a sort of an initiation. Oh. And these are some of the people who say, I can worship God out there in the woods better than I can in the church. Yeah, because you worship in the wrong God. Yeah. And then, you know what you're making me think of? Um, we often talk about, like, some of the, some of the uh, terrible things that we see depicted in movies. And just this discussion about drinking the blood and eating blood, it just, it makes you think about some of the fascinations that we see in movie culture with vampirism, uh, zombies eating blood, and just different things along that nature. Sometimes it, it may be a little bit deeper than just entertainment, per se. You know what I'm saying? And, and, yeah, and the thing that I want to point out is it's deeper than the fear of bloodborne pathogens as well. Yes, I agree, too. We're, we're talking about a very severe, serious spiritual incursion on your own soul. All right, Dorcas has her hand up. Let me get to that. Oh, no. no. Other Dorcas. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I can, can you hear me okay? I got you. Um, I, I just wanted to know where... Is is that in the scripture anywhere that animals have souls or yes, is it there is. any kind of history on it? There is. There is a verse. Mm -hmm. I can't remember where it is, but there is a verse that literally says it for the life of the the animal return the four-footed beast returns to the earth. It is there. And it says that the uh, animals have souls, yeah. Yeah. I'll find it. I'll send it to you. I'll find it. Yeah, they say that the animals have nephesh. Yep. That's what right. Yeah, and that's what we're looking at here. Kinefish Habasar for the light, the soul of the body is in the blood. Three little words. The soul of the body is in the blood. That's what those three little words say. It's very basic okay. Hebrew grammar. And so, yeah, when you drink the, the blood of a four-footed beast, it's entirely possible that what you're doing is imbibing the soul and becoming one with it in a way you don't want to be. That's right. All right. And I think that's why a lot of these Satanists and witches and stuff like that can't come out of that stuff. We knew a guy who was a, a Wiccan slash witch. He did it all. And he struggled for years and years. He knew he needed to. And he struggled for years and years and years to come out of it. And, I, and I'm not 100% certain 
that he made it all the way out. He seemed to have for four or five years, but I haven't seen or heard of it from him in, in at least three years now. And I'm hoping that he's not regressed, but it is difficult to tear out of that stuff. Even when you know that what you're doing is defiling everything and, and coming so close to blaspheming God, it's ridiculous. God will save those people, but it's the point is that person has to want to be saved. Yeah. And I think there is a, uh, I would, I, I need a better word than biological because biological in the sense of at the, at the spiritual level of, uh, there is a spiritual reason and encumbrance why they can't come out. And I think this is it. To be I honest. think it's an energetic. I think it's, a, it's yeah. energetic yeah. because the energy you know, is, I think I would say energetically. I don't know. Uh, Daniel, my, my hand raising won't stay there, so I just, there are several places where God says, uh, uh, you, you will be cut off from your people, or that person will be cut off from your people. But that phrase, which really speaks to me for some reason, I will set my face against that soul. Yeah. Is, is there any place else where he actually says that? Um, I think there is. Um, we could do a search right quick. I'm trying to think of where I've seen it before because, but I want to see it in Hebrew first. That is in verse 10 as well. Yes. Um, uh, verse, verse 10. Yeah, yeah. Verse 10. I mean, no. Well, let me see where it is. And whatever man is in a stranger and sojourner, these same men are of blood. I got to back up. That's what it is. Vinatati Panai Banefesh. Look at that. I will give my face. In other words, set my face against, but it's going at the soulish level. Look at that. Against the soul of the eater of the blood. Mm. So yeah. All right. So we will we will we will look and, and see if I can I'll I'll do a search and see if I can find that. Meanwhile, I'll let Joe ask his question or make his statement. Okay, so you were talking about the uh the blood and the soul and these things. Um, if you look at some of the indigenous peoples of the world, whether they be Native American, I'm gonna say Indian because I am part of that. But a lot of the peoples of the world, whether it be in a hunting situation or in a situation of war, they will eat the raw liver, or they'll eat or drink the blood of their enemies. They'll, they'll do some what we see as grotesque things. In their minds, they are. Like in a warrior situation, they're not only killing that person's body, but they're consuming their soul. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And so they, even those people who don't have Yah as their God in their life, they know this. So they, they know that the blood is, it encompasses all the life, the soul, everything about that creature, whether it be the animal or their enemy or whatever. 
I want to I want to bring it closer to home because, for example, I live three years in Turkey, and um, Muslims they dry the whole blood, same, uh, but it's different like halal versus kosher. But they both of them dry. They, there's not a single drop of blood in that meat when they eat it. Uh, and then, then uh, we find that meat to have a very different taste. So I think that there are there's a ch big chance that we are not meaning to do it, but we're still eating even if we cook it. Um, but for example, when you go find dining, you know that you get a steak and it's uh, like rare or well, sometimes if you ask for something that is well done, it, it still kind All of right. and let's talk about that because we've covered this before and I don't I won't be able to remember where which video episode we covered it in. So I'm going to restate it briefly. But eating a rare steak is not consuming blood. The blood has been drained from it. What is in the steak is a protein, and, and uh, Alicia can speak to exactly what that protein is. Shelly can speak to it. It is not blood, all okay. right? The, but people thought it was blood, and so they overcook their meat because they are um, just trying too hard to be righteous, <laughs> uh, putting their righteousness on a food. Uh, what we eat in regard to our kosher diet is part of us reflecting righteousness, but it, it in and of itself doesn't make us unrighteous and eating meat that is not cooked is not dangerous. As long as the blood has been drained from it. the Spartans in Greece ate raw meat. They didn't get sick from it um, because the blood was drained from it. Um, Elizabeth, you got a question? I put the scriptures in the uh, chat, Daniel. Uh, yeah, let me let me explain that to Dorcas. Dorcas, if you see the scripture about the animals is in the chat window. Kohelet is um, Ecclesiastes and Bereshit is Genesis. Okay. Yeah, I have a question, Daniel. Um, so what about the transfusion, the blood transfusion? Nothing wrong with it. That's different. Nothing mm -hmm. wrong with it. Um, and my other question is, um, uh, um, can you make us uh, explain what is the difference between ruach, nefesh, and selim? Ruach, nefesh, and what? And selim. I'm not understanding you. Selim is the image. Selim is image. Yeah, they, days oh. is supposed to be the image of God. Salem. Okay, Salem. You see, that's good. Yeah, Salem is actually the bodily form of God. We were created in the bodily form of God. Salem is the word for shadow. My shadow oh. looks exactly like my body. Mm -hmm. All right, so Salem is the bodily form of God. Ruach is the very breath of God. Is it breath? Oh, okay. I couldn't. Somebody's got some interference. Oh, maybe it's me. I'll, I'll, Might be you. I'll get to you in a minute, Albert. It's mute and see if that works. Okay, I think it did. Um, so, so 
Nefesh is the soul that we've been talking about, and I do believe it is an energy. I can't pretend to understand it, but that's it's something like it is a it is an essence of the human being. All right, it it invigorates the body. All right, and the and the body is invigorated by it. All right, but the the ruach is can be both our breath, but if we're talking about hakodesh. Ruach HaKodesh, then we're talking about the breath of God because his is set apart for a particular purpose. God is only holy. He doesn't use his mouth for bad things. He doesn't use his breath to curse people. You know, uh, his is holy. All right. So uh, that is the difference there. But Selem is actually the bodily form of God, which even our Jewish people, for some reason, just deny that. All right, Albert. Uh Albert. Thank you. Yep. I had to unmute. I'm sorry. Um, what, you, what you made me think of when you said that uh, some people overcook their steaks to be to be overly holy uh, or to make sure the blood is gone. Um, I never thought about this until now. And maybe you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know what happens to blood when you cook it. But at that point, wouldn't you still just be eating cooked blood if, if that if that's if that was the case? So yeah. It's kind of like that kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah, it, it's completely illogical. It's illogical. You, you drain an animal, you know, you hang an animal there and you drain it and the blood is out. It's not in the meat. It doesn't even, the blood isn't even in the meat anyway. You know, yeah. um, it's in the blood veins. Right. So when it shares with, whatever it shares with the muscle, it's not blood anymore. It's broken down to into its nutrient part. Yeah. All right. Joe? 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 Sorry, man. My, my computer tried to do something stupid on me when I tried to unmute. But just to paint the picture of the difference of what Daniel's talking about, I remember as a little boy, um, we used to butcher our own food, right? So we would hang up a calf. We would, we would kill it. We would hang it up, and it would drain for until there's no more blood dripping out of that of that carcass i remember there was a hispanic couple that lived we lived way out in the country our nearest neighbors probably five six miles away came by to help us this particular day and when dad hung this calf and slit its throat and let the blood drain to the ground this old man was like no you can't do that and he took a bucket and he captured all of the blood and made a gravy out of it later on yeah. that is the difference Yeah, you know we're draining the blood out the blood is like Yeshua's blood was drained from him there is no blood in his body right now his blood was drained from him by the same token when we drain those animals according to what Vayikrod tells us to do that blood is drained from that animal and so whenever you have a steak and you see the redness or whatever you think is blood, it's not blood. And if you know anything about blood, you know the consistency is completely different. So yeah. it's very obviously different. Yep. Is, is the blood sausage that they eat in uh, other countries? That's, that's got blood in it. Okay. okay. That's blood. That's got blood in it. Yeah, they, yeah, they cook it. You know, they water, they cook it. And uh, at least in Mexico, in the area where I grew up, um, which was in the coast, Gulf of Mexico, and um, they sell it. They make tacos, 
And, uh, but that's the origin. Well, that's what my father used to tell. We never had those. We never ate that. But uh, uh, my father would not allow it. But he will explain to us that that tradition or that habit came from the Aztecs yep. because they used to sacrifice. And, and there is a lot of places that you go in Mexico, probably in every state. Uh, it's a national thing uh, where they, they cook this blood from, from the cows or cattle or whatever blood it is. And then they put onion, you know, they cook el cilantro, onion and everything in there. And it's awful, but uh, it's just a, a habit or a tradition. But, that it, but it's not only in, um, in Mexico, French people do it. They, that's the blood sauce they sell uh, uh, all over Latin America, Italian. Yeah, yeah, lots of cultures have the same thing. So, yeah, and you do have to be careful of it because we are reading, there's two reasons that we're looking at this so deep. One of the reasons is because the Brit Hadashah, the the Renewed Covenant Scriptures, reflect this same idea. And what I want you to understand is how deep the reason goes and how, how lightly that Christians look at these verses, which are in in the version, the side of the Bible that they read. Theoretically, they read these versions or these these verses. Uh, so I'm in Acts chapter 15 now. You've seen this many, many times. Send word to the Gentiles. I, I guess I need to set, set the scene here. This is Acts chapter 15. What has just gone on? Acts chapter 13 and Acts chapter 14 are the first places where Shaul, Paul, went and preached to the Gentiles. So some Gentile churches, congregations, started popping up. And the Jewish people... Whom, of whom there were many thousands of Jews in Jerusalem and many thousands of Jews around the world on the map that we just looked at that were believing in Yeshua. And they didn't, they didn't know what to do with these Gentiles who weren't kosher yet, according to rabbinic law. All right, because the rabbis were already adding things to the Torah. We know that because Yeshua fought them on it and castigated them for it. And so the Jewish people started one group of Jewish people who were fake believers. They weren't actually messianic. I learned that from Galatians. The book of Galatians tells us false are among you preaching that which is not true. And what was not true is that you needed to be saved by becoming circumcised. Certain men came down from Judah. This is the religious Jews in Jerusalem and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised in accordance with the Torah, you cannot be saved. What most people don't realize is what that meant in Jewish minds back then, especially among the house of Shammai, was that You had to fully convert, go through a conversion process, the final sign of which was circumcision. In other words, you had to agree to walk the way they walked the Torah. So this was them trying to take the authority back from Yeshua, the one rabbi, 
and putting it back on the rabbis. And James, who seemed to be that way, surprises us by standing up himself and saying the words that, that I had just highlighted, I've got to get back to. <clears throat> so let me find it. Let us send word to them, the, the goyim, the, the Gentiles, that they abstain from defilement by sacrifices to idols. So that's the first thing that we talked about in Leviticus 17. Don't offer your offerings anywhere else. If you offer your offerings to God anywhere else other than in his temple, then you're cut off. And the same punishment is applied to those who worship demons. And we're fixing to look at that. All right. So abstain from defilement to sacrifices to idols and from fornication. That right there is basically our next chapter, Leviticus 18, 19, 20, 21. That, those two words right there embody about three to four chapters of the Bible. Wow. Fornication is sexual sin of any nature. All right. And from creatures strangled. That basically means accidentally killed, run over by a wagon, a chariot, run over by a car. Roadkill. Roadkill or animal kill that just got, that just was left there, you know, or, or uh, animal suicide. I don't know. It's <laughs> just. Uh, okay. Talking about eating those animals? Yeah. Okay. You can't eat them. And then here's the last one. And from blood. So. <clears throat> All of these cultures that we just talked about, Louisiana, they eat boudin like it's going out of style. And, and I don't, I think that is the blood of pig, if I remember right, that is in boudin. I think so. It is. And they are violating this command, which is repeated and given to all the Gentiles in the New Testament. And you got Gentiles. I've, I've had friends that were believers running across the border to get Boudin. We're running over to Vider in Mauriceville where there were a bunch of Cajuns to get Boudin. And, and uh, you know, somebody, I think it was Alicia mentioned or Dorcas that mentioned Italians have their version of it. I know the Germans do. Eva could probably attest, attest to that. I think she's told me that before. They have their version of blood sausage. So, yeah. It's uh, it's a common thing, and so we have to watch out for those things when we go into restaurants. Um, you know, Daniel, that um, <laughs> I grew up in Puerto Rico, and um, I converted to Christianism in Puerto Rico. And uh, one day that came in church, that came it was in the in a, in a small group, in the life group, and the conversation it came up in the conversation the blood sausage and all of that stuff, and even eating a pig, and then they read that other verse from the New Testament that, okay, we will only ask them to to avoid the sacrifice to the idols, and and, and I forgot the, the entire verse, yeah. and then they dismiss it. Yeah, yeah, um, and they, I, you know, they should have been taken here, because this is given... To the Jewish people, this is the way that, that Yaakov, most people know him as James, Yeshua's brother. This is the way that he 
addressed the Jewish people and said, this is what we need to do with our Gentile brothers. We need to tell them to do these things. And what I want to point out is the verses that I have highlighted right there are, I'm, and I'm guessing because I, you know, we'd have to go back and look, but we're certain that it starts in Leviticus 17, right? Because that's where we were tonight. Mm-hmm. So these verses start in Leviticus 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, possibly up into 22, maybe all the way up to 25. There could be as many as 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, nine chapters covered in these two verses. In this one verse. And that's what our, our Gentile friends, our Christian friends don't realize is that they, they, were, they were laying a significant portion of the Torah mm-hmm. on these people. Because in order to figure out what, what uh, fornication is, you have to read all of the definitions of it. There's many acts of fornication. Right? So... Um, and this not is just my definition. And all of this, I w- what I want to point out, all of these things that we're reading about right there, all of them were part of ancient idol worship. Sexual fornication was part of their idol worship. Animal sacrifice was part of their idol worship. If they found a roadkill, they w- it was part of their, hey, I can go offer to the gods and he'll give me favor. This, he's provided this sacrifice for me. Drinking blood was, all of it was part of idol worship. And so the practice of it still, in my mind, is clinging to idol worship because people just don't want to let go. And does does he connect the eating of blood to the idol worship here or is it isolated from it? It's all connected. It's connected. It's connected, but it's also isolated, isn't it? Meaning... Let's let's have them abstain from blood. Does that stand alone by itself? Yeah. Yeah, that does. Absolutely. That's the point that I was trying to make. Gotcha. But it is connected to idol worship. But regardless of what of why you're eating or drinking it, God said not to eat it. Period. Mm-hmm. Right. So doing the omni domni, I've joked about it. You can't you, you can't circumcise a pig and then eat it because it makes your heart feel good. You know, what you do to it and the reason that you're doing it means nothing to the creator. He said not to do it. Okay. So I want to show you, um, Shelly had asked that question about set my face against. I, 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 can I make a comment? Because I read these. And yeah. they, because that seems to me a strong, stronger statement than others. And a lot of them have to do with idol worship. That's exactly what I was going to point out. It's all... About committing harlotry, mm-hmm. worshiping other gods, and imbibing mm-hmm. their their sacrifices. Everything, everything that God says, I'm going to set my face against you. It's all about that. Northern Israel, the ten northern tribes, were utterly destroyed because of what we've been talking about, and that's why. To, you know, to to sort of be an apologetic for our, our Jewish people. That's why a lot of them will not eat a medium rare steak is because they don't want to go through this again. So I understand the overcompensation. But Yeshua understood that 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 mentality and that overcompensation, but he tried to get them to stop overcompensating, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. 
So there's no need to overcompensate. God's God's got this thing. You know, he's given us the remedy and it's not about the, the, the texture of the meat or how you cook it. It's how you, it's just get the blood out of it. It's that, it's that simple. Get the blood out of it. Well, overcompensating is also adding to the Torah, which is sin in and of itself. Bingo. Bingo. You're adding to the Torah if you say that thou shalt not eat meat that is cooked medium rare. <laughs> <coughs> or that was not butchered by a rabbi, you know, and, and certified by a rabbi. God never told me in the Bible that I have to go get the rabbi to inspect my meat. Right. Right. So, okay. So we're back. Um, why, I just want to say one thing about fornication. I know we're not talking about that, but I guess when we get there, the fact is most people, when they hear the word fornication, we take our American Standard Dictionary and it only describes sex between two people that aren't married. And people take that. And I think you and I had this discussion, Daniel, so many times about, you know, from the discussion I had. But anyway, they take that. And then when you look it up, guess what? It gives you, like, if you Google it, it's going to give you all New Testament scriptures. Exactly. You know, because that's where it says fornication. It's not going into detail. But, of course, we know anytime we see something in the Greek kind of shy, it's rooted in the Torah, in the first five books. You have to go find it in the first five books to get the, the foundation of that commandment. That, that, that's, uh, all right. <clears throat> he, so for the life of the flesh, the soul, the net, the life, the nephish of the body is in the blood. All right. Therefore, I said unto Ben Israel, have we already read this? No, we've yeah. got to keep going. Therefore, I said unto Bnei Israel, no soul of you shall eat blood, neither shall any stranger that sojourns among you eat blood. And Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth you uh, think was Elizabeth asked a question about transfusions. See, the scripture says eat blood. Yeah. But he, he makes, he really expounds on that because he says the blood is used to make atonement for you. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of separate. It's separated. That's right. It, it, it would be sacrilegious, I don't know, to, to eat something that is used for the atonement of your sin. Right. Can I, can yes. I say something about the comment that you mean that uh, it's... Um, is not eating the blood. Um, I uh, well that that comment. Um, I do believe that transfusion is not bad, but I do think that if we are to receive a transfusion or a famine or whatever, we have to pray for that blood because there are things that you that you commit that they don't go into your bloodstream or your bloodline, but there are other things that are generational. And I and I think that if you get the blood from from someone that has that in there, that might might affect you somehow. So you have to to pray for that blood that you are or your family. Well, I, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about the connection to the soul here in regard to the blood. So yeah, I think there is some some uh, a little bit of precaution to take 
in a, in that medical procedure, but um, it, it's it, it's prayer is the right response. Absolutely, you know I can remember I donated blood to my mother. But actually, it was platelets because she had leukemia. Um, but I remember thinking about that as I'm sitting there in the chair. You know, um, obviously, mom and I were close kin, and and uh, I wasn't gonna let my mom die and not do something about it if I could help it. And so I donated to her, but yeah, it, I, and I thought about it. If, if, you know, if my family needed blood and they were lying there because there are denominations that won't do it because of this very thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, the command to save a life outweighs every other command in the Bible. Mm-hmm. God tells us to preserve life. And we have a, we have a, a, a method to do that. And it works. We know it works you know, and, and it's very critical, but it, you do, you know, you have the doctors hopefully taking the necessary precaution to keep pathogens and disease out of your body. But then you do have to take, I think, a, a, a time, a moment of prayer and pray for a spiritual thing as well. Right. Because I, it is possible. I mean, we don't know. We can't pretend to know exactly what happens to the soul uh, you know, if they drain a pint of blood, did I lose a part of my soul? Probably not. But, uh, but I don't. I can't say because we can't see it. This is this is beyond subatomic. This is mm-hmm. otherworldly, yeah. right? So we can't see this. We can't affirm it. That's why I said a while ago. Yes. That, okay. So they they've said that twenty one grams goes away. Okay. I. I I'm not going to I'm not going to say that that's not the soul leaving the body but I also I'm not going to be like the evolutionists and say well I, you know this is what it is when it's just a theory still. Are you with me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a strong theory that the soul did that. It's a strong theory that it's possible to transfer negative soul energy from a blood transfusion. It's but that's all it is is a theory. So who do I trust when I'm in the face of a theory? God. Right. <laughs> I trust his well, word. And, you know, and, and then the blood, the blood transfusion comes when it's a life-threatening situation. Exactly. So it is a survival. It's not, it's not something that... It's not a right. Know. It's not, yeah, it's not a right. And if, if there is yeah. a, you know, if God is in control of, those, of both people's soul, then he is going to mm-hmm. do the dividing, I think. You know, yes. and I'm going to trust him with that. If it's me laying there on the yeah. table and I want to live, I'm going to trust him with that. Yeah, because it's not like when you need vitamins and you go and get an IV. Okay. Yeah, and here's how here's how inane it's not, something. It's not think. optional. It's you you go and get a, a, a transfusion because because you're dying, you know, in right. a survival. And right. I, I have patients that they are Jehovah's, um, uh, and they don't they don't allow uh, transfusions and yeah, they, they don't. Are, Christian scientists don't. There's a lot of there's several denominations okay. that won't do the okay. Amish won't do it. I don't think. Uh, they might, I don't know, but yeah, there's a lot of denominations that don't. But but but, however, they accept other other elements of the blood. It's kind of yeah. interesting to see, okay? Because yeah. to me, it's not, and maybe Shelley can't testify of that. You know, in the hospitals they do have these codes. You know, if they belong to these uh, denominations, uh, they cannot do this, but uh, they end up accepting other elements of blood. So you know, it's controversial to me. Right. Now, look at how many times he says this. He says it again here, all of the same stuff. So 
And I had something else I wanted to say, but I don't remember what it was now. Mm. Oh, yeah. This is how ridiculous people can get about it. Um, I remember all the way back to my childhood watching an episode of All in the Family. And if I'm remembering the right show, then it would have been uh, Archie needed a blood transfusion from George Jefferson. <laughs> I think that's who it was. And he, he was afraid he was going to be black when he woke up. <laughs> and that's, that's how inane people get about that stuff. It's, you know, you, you know, it's just blood. I, Dan, Daniel, I made that joke. You got that joke? <laughs> Good. <laughs> All right. And every soul that eats of that which dies of itself. Look at that. Every soul. Let's look at that. 15. Every soul. That eats. So when you eat, apparently your soul eats, right? of that which dies of itself or that which is torn of beasts whether he is homeborn or a stranger he'll wash his clothes bathe himself in water and be unclean so this this was an animal that did not take part in a sacrifice that's the difference and it would be a clean beast theoretically because we're not going to eat things that are unclean right so you you could in those days, if you ran across a, a rogue deer that, that died or was torn, you could eat it, but you were unclean. You couldn't go to the temple. Same thing we talked about last week, right? Mm -hmm. But if he does not wash or does not bathe, then he shall bear his iniquity. Any questions about this chapter? So can we eat blood? Uh... Somebody, somebody give him a cigar. Funny, funny. <laughs> somebody smack him. <laughs> All right, chapter 18. This one is a woolly booger. Oh, what? <laughs> woolly booger. Who don't know what a woolly booger is? Come on now. What? You're in the I'm South, New, girl. <laughs> I'm from New Jersey. <laughs> you are in the South. You got to get used to it. Get it with the program, Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I spoke unto Moshe, saying, Speak unto the sons of Israel and say unto them, Anochi, let's look at how that is. Ani Yahweh Elohechem, I am Yahweh your Elohim. After the doings of the land of Mitzrayim, Egypt, wherein you dwell, shall you not do. And after the doings of the land of Canaan, where I bring you, shall you not do. Neither shall you walk in their statutes. All of that is a mouthful, but I want you to, I want to take a look closer at something. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Acts. Acts. The act of the apostles. Oh. The doings of the apostles. 
All right. Mm -hmm. So edits doings of the earth, doing of the world. And land. So this in my mind, you could call this just a secular word, but I really honestly think this is don't practice the religion of these people. Yes. Don't do exactly what he's saying here. Exactly. Don't do the worship of these people. Right. Because if I just read this, you might could think that it's just a general statement. So all I'm trying to show you is I think it's a little bit more narrow than that, a little bit more specific. And I think these chapters are going to bear it out. After the doings, so they're leaving behind Egypt and they're going somewhere. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So they're leaving behind a pagan land and they're going into a pagan land. They had just conquered mm -hmm. a pagan land. God had. Yeah. And now God is going to conquer another one. But he's telling them when you get over there, in other words, don't bring what you already knew and don't pick up anything from where you're going. And unfortunately, the forefathers of Christianity did not adhere to that. Yep. Because they left behind paganism and then they turned right back around and brought it in. The doings of everybody around them. The dot on the forehead on Ash Wednesday comes from India. The rosary comes from India. The, the, the Catholic priest went over there and found some cool stuff and said, hey, this would be good. The, all of the saints, most of the saints that were created in, in, in Europe were just renamed pagan deities. Mm. And the legend of that pagan deity was just attached given a Greek or Latin name, usually Latin, give that deity a Latin name, uh, morph its, its mythology to fit somewhere in the realm of scripture, it would shock you how many deities the Catholic Church has in their iconography. It's insane. And it was just any, every city that you walked into had their own lesser little deities for that city, and they became the saints. Uh, well, can I say something? Those are the patron saints, and I no. when I went to when I went to Rome, I stopped at a at a at a church, and they had a reading about the patron of of uh, of Rome, and it was because apparently they were having a lot of storms and stuff like that, and then there there was this. It was like a spiritual thing. So until they claim that person that had passed already, like the patron saints of that place, they didn't rid themselves of those storms that they were having. So everywhere yeah. you go, it's pretty much the same thing. It's and like that would have been the same thing that their pagan ancestors would have done 2,000 years ago or 1,000 years ago. Joe, what you got? So Dorcas mentioned and said the, uh, the patron saints of Rome and this is not really conducive to the study now, but it's just a thought that I had. Most people look back and they 
they hate the Jewish people because they killed Jesus, right? I've always, I grew up Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church. And I look at the history. I was reading scripture as a young boy, and I realized the Romans killed Jesus. <laughs> but it's, you know, but, but yet we all want to follow what the Romans say. It makes absolutely no sense. Absolutely. So neither shall you walk in their statutes. Let's look at that. They have their statutes. All right. And what we're talking about is the very same thing. But the funny thing is, is the Protestants say, okay, we're going to break away from all of that. But a lot of Lutherans don't realize is that some of them, I think, do because they study a little deeper in the Lutheran faith, but the Lutherans still worship Mary, which is basically the same sensation. Patron comes from pater, which is a Latin word for father. And so mm -hmm. every city had a father. All right. And so that's what that means. That's where that comes from. Um Every city had a mother. And so they made Mary the chief of the mothers. And then all of these cities have, because they, they, they deified women as well. They, they made saints out of women as well. I will say this. Some of the ones, the early ones that they claimed to be their saints were actually just believers who did suffer for Messiah. And so they had to do that in order to make the whole picture look good. Are you with me? Mm-hmm. Now, I think Cecilia is the one I'm thinking of, who I believe was probably a, a legitimate Roman believer in Messiah who died for her faith. And they sainted her. Um, she probably wouldn't have it. You know, I know she wouldn't have it. If, it. if indeed she was a genuine believer, she'd slap him and say, stop it. Don't worship me. Just like the angels do. Don't worship me. Worship him. Mm -hmm. I'm one like you. Right? Okay. okay. My mishpatim shall you do. My chukot shall you keep to walk therein. So you have do and walk. These are Torah concepts. Yeah. I am Yahweh your Elohim. You shall therefore keep my chukot. That's my statues, statutes. My mishpatim. That's my judgments, which if a man does them, he shall live by them. Anohi Yawa. Ani Yawa. I am Yawa. All right. So he's making it clear that he's that we are to be distinct and not do statutes from other religious systems. I believe that's what we get out of this paragraph. Does everybody see that? Yes. Yep. All right. None of you shall approach to any that is near of kin to him to reveal erva. I am Yahweh. Now, this is going to be different than any other translation you've probably read. And the word that we're looking at there, two words that we're looking at are right here. Tegale ervata. All right. The tau in the end is possessive. That's why I cut it to erva over in our sentence. To reveal erva. Erva is... It gets translated as nakedness, but it is shameful nakedness. This is the fornication that we are talking about over in the book of Acts. 
Because if you remember, we looked at Acts chapter 15. Mm -hmm. Teach the Gentiles to refrain from fornication, right? And I said, that's a, a few chapters in the scriptures. And so we're about to start all of the things that are sinful sexual acts to God. And there's more than one. <laughs> and Erva is what again? Shameful nakedness. It, it basically Shameful means nakedness. the act. It's, it is a euphemism. God doesn't speak dirty. He kept his word clean. It's a, it's a clinical way to say having sex. Shameful nakedness. Yeah. In other words, it's not just don't show your body to this person or that person. It's not what it's saying. Okay. It was Noah's sons who came across him in the tent. Am I correct? Which, it was. It was. Which, which sons were it that found their father? It was one. One. It was Canaan. It wasn't his son. It was his grandson. grandson. Wasn't there another uh, situation no. where they walked backwards with the cloak? That, yeah. that was them. That was that them. Is that the same word they use? I'm pretty sure it is, but let's go look. He saw the nakedness of his father. Is that what you're thinking of? Yes, yes. That is exactly what it is, if I remember right. Oh, I want to say no. What's, what's no? Da. Da. Uh, nine, nine twenty-two. Is it nine? I think so. Okay. Hope so. Yeah. Yeah, it was two brothers. Yeah. Right. They they came right. in. So they was, came I, in and covered them. Right. Right. That's what. Yes. So this is the incident. Notice. Yeah. 22. That's exactly what it is. Nakedness of their father. Okay. That's right. Shameful nakedness. What he saw, what they saw, was some kind of sexual act going on when Noah was drunk. Canaan was involved. I don't know what that means. I can't, I'm not going to speculate what that means, but it was bad is all we can say. It must not have been with his wife, but you got to remember he was drunk. That's all I'm going to say about it. There's no reason for us to play nasty games, right? So it was, but it was a, a deviant sexual act of some kind. Yes. Right. And that's what we're talking about over here. So these are the limitations Daniel. on what we do with our bodies. Yes, Elizabeth. Uh, so these, the, the act, the sexual act that he, it was related to, uh, to Noah or it was related to his son? It was Canaan. The grandson. It was grandson. Go so, back and watch Genesis chapter six. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but just to settle, satisfy your curiosity, yes, it was Canaan and Noah. Something went on. That's all I can say. 
all right? And Ham walked up on it. Canaan's father walked up on it. Canaan wasn't cursed. I'm sorry, Ham wasn't cursed. Canaan was, all right? Mm -hmm. So Genesis chapter six? Nine, I'm oh, sorry, okay. chapter nine. Chapter one. Okay. Okay. So. Thank you. No problem. So this is a whole chapter on how how to protect yourself from shameful nakedness, basically. Exactly. The the different things that you can do with your body that are outlawed, that that God does not like. The shameful nakedness of your father, which is exactly what what Tom walked up on, right? Mm-hmm. Of your mother. Women are capable of it too. You shall not uncover. She is your mother. You shall not uncover her erva. The erva of your father's wife. Now this is this is deeper Hebrew language that goes beyond what I think our English words can tell us fully. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I wanted it to be as literal as possible so that people could see that there's something more here than just looking at a naked body. Is everybody there with me? Yeah. Yes. Of yes. your father's wife, you oh, shall yeah. not uncover. It is your father's erva. Of your sister, the daughter of your father, the daughter of your mother. Whether born at home or born abroad, even there, shameful nakedness, you shall not. In other words, you, these are the people you cannot conjugate with. <laughs> right. All right. Your son's daughter, your daughter's daughter, your father's wife, begotten to you, begotten of your father. She is your sister. You shall not uncover her. All right. So all of this is related to, to deviant acts. And believe it or not, people do this. <laughs> right. This is, I believe, where. Because a lot of people think that pedophilia is not prohibited in the Bible. Guess what? We just read it. Right. Do you realize that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Um, what it boils down to, I'm sorry, Tracy. What it boils down to is if you're male, use your wife. If you're female, use your husband. Right. That's it. That's what it boils down to. What you got, yeah. Tracy? Well, uh, you know, people will refer back to the beginning. Of course, we know God only created Adam and Eve. And then from there, at that point, sexual, uh, well, er erva was going on with, with everybody. Not, maybe now, not mothers. That wasn't, that wasn't erva because they were permitted to marry their sister. Right. Well, well then I take that word back. But the fact yes. is those acts were being committed amongst brother and sister and relatives and such. It's the only way to populate the world. It's the only way to populate. So, you know, you know, when people want to get into the semantics of things and really, you know, always They're finding their loopholes. They try to find the loopholes and say, well, when did that change? You know, well, we know when it changed, but why was it permitted then? And permitted, not permitted now. Da, 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 da. And then I, I try to explain it was a different world back then too. Uh, certain things had take, taken place. Um, when sin entered, it was only a little sin. I say little sin, meaning it had just started. But then the more the more sin grew, the more egregious it got, and the penalty never, you know. So I, I just wanted to bring that up. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and I think we might have talked about this back when we did Genesis chapter nine. But um, sin 
came into the world and people began to die. And the further you went toward the flood, the shorter they lived, Mm -hmm. right? And then the flood happens. And I believe, let me say, let me back up. The reason that they started to live shorter and shorter lives is because the corruption of the flesh was getting bigger and bigger. Right. All right. Then you get on the other side of the flood and now you have radiation because you can go back and watch Genesis six. And when, when the, when the flood happens, the protection against the rate, the radiation of the sun went away. And so people had to start eating meat and they, you know, Shem crossed the flood and he lived for, I think, another 300 years, I think, or something like that after the flood. But then Abraham only lived 200 years. And after Abraham, Moses lived 120 years. And that's, that's the top is 120. And God told Noah, I'm going to number man's days to 120 years. So what you're seeing is the effect of sin on the human genome. Right. And so that's why when we get 400 years after Moses, when nobody's living past 120 anymore, God is saying, okay, stop marrying your sister. You're going to all be a bunch of retards. Mm-hmm. Because the genome is corrupt because of sin. Right? Are you with me? Does that make yes. sense to you guys? Absolutely. Yes. All right. I think that may be why this is so detailed. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Because it was going on and it was like normal. Yes. Alicia? Yes. Uh, What I was uh, going to mention is that um, uh, we don't realize that this, um, that the, the, uh, the scriptures, that not, okay, when, let's get back to Adam and Eve. You know, we don't have a date when this happened. One second, um, because when we, you know, scientifically speaking, uh, archaeologically speaking, they have found uh, evidence that uh, the planet, in the planet of evidence of uh, remnants or indications where data probably 1,200,000 1, years up to 24,000 years, 24,000 years. So that's Wrong. Like before Wrong. the ice, the, uh, the ice man and all that. I mean, no, all of that's propaganda. That is the ice. So we never had an ice age. We never had an ice age. No, that is propaganda from the evolutionists who deny God. That's all that is. Um, it's been, you know, it's been a long time since I've studied it, but the, there are plenty of scientists, not plenty. There are scientists, good scientists who are banned from mm-hmm. the realm of scientists because they believe in God and they try to refute those things. And they are very well refuted. Um, the earth is 6,000 years old, period. Um, the flood is what altered everything that we see, including um, the age, the, the look, you know, the earth looks old, but the flood made it look old. All right. Oh, I, okay. I have to summarize here because I'm not teaching that portion right here. Yeah. But, okay. Uh, there was no ice age. There might've been a, a geographic region that was covered in ice. And there's certainly, that's not, that's not a surprise to me. Look at Siberia. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so the things that they have found, they put their spin on them to make them fit their narrative. The paleontoic calendar was invented by a guy about 50 years before the before archaeology became a science. Mm-hmm. He just invented it, and now they follow it like it's gospel. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember Charles Russell's, no, Charles Lyles. I forget which one it is. Russell's, I believe, maybe. Um, just pulled the paleontoic calendar out of thin air. Um, and the carbon dating has been proven by good scientists to be faulty. And just as a as a uh, an example, Albert and I have joked about it. They found they found this piece of rock that they said they named it. They carbon dated it and said it's millions of years old. Then they break it open and literally, Alicia, there was a human doorknob in it that came from about 150 years ago. It's that. <laughs> and. and uh, that's, and, their, and, that's their main method of dating, right? Yeah, carbon dating, yeah. And they yeah, used other methods too, but they're all faulty because they manipulate the they manipulate the mathematical formulas that they use to get the date they want. And then so one I saw, I don't know if you saw it, Albert, I think I tagged you on it, but I followed the Institute for Creation Research and I follow biblical creation. And I think it was the biblical creation site that posted just this last two weeks ago at, at the most a fossilized bone from West Texas. They found one piece of it and they said it was millions of years old. Then they find the other piece. It had a cowboy boot around it. <laughs> you know, it's funny, it's funny, but when you get done laughing, it, it makes it, it it's enough to upset you because lies yes. are constantly spread, man. Like it's 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 ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, I you know, and it, I don't want to belabor it, and I don't want to. I'm not trying to make you feel bad, Alicia, but I, I literally I believe. No, 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 that no, that's fine. That's fine because yeah. I you know I I I I love archaeology. Yeah, um, archaeology and, uh, is a wonderful science, and it, it's yeah. what it is doing is proving the Bible. Yeah, and, and yeah, and, and then I I went in and, and study in, in epidemi- epidemiology. I used to be an epidemiologist. We study the um, uh, the GPR, which is a machine that measures energies and everything, and and, and the ground and whatever. And we use that for 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 depicting epidemics and all this. So. Yeah. Um, and I was, it was a documental that I was reading, I was seeing, and then I thought, well, you know, so everything that he says that it, it makes sense. So it made me, it made me think, I mean, I have to be honest. I mean, I said, well, wait a minute. Uh, so when Adam and Eve was, was formed, then if the, these people are saying that all this, like Indonesia, you know, they found all these things and they were doing, and they show all these scientific factors there. So I was, and then it made me think. So when yeah. you mentioned, uh, yeah, and I, I agree, and I, you know, I was, I was a quasi evolutionist until until I was twenty two years old, and I ha- I studied it out, and I realized just like it's because they come to the science with presuppositions. Mm-hmm. All right, Darwin went at the science looking for a way to prove right. his theory. Yeah, right. There's right. no doubt about that. That's what that man's goal was. Yeah, he happened yes. to find those finches who had a, a recognizable adaptation and he called it evolution. He found his proof, yes. um, you know, but they, they have been, 
they have all of the scientists that are following that are working off of presuppositions and formulas that were created with the constants that they needed in order to get the math to work out the way that they worked it out. So mm -hmm. it, it is a huge smokescreen. So the world is 6,000 years old and the flood happened 1,000 years and 100 years, 1,100 years after Adam. And what happened is when the flood happened, the environment changed and then animals started dying off. And then yeah. people yeah. instantaneously, people and animals were buried in ice because new ice formed because there was okay. new water on the earth. Yeah. Yeah, but it's only six, it's only 5,000 years old. So they just, they want the math to work out in their favor. So I would encourage okay. you to go look at the Institute for Creation Research. Okay. And biblical creation and see all that and take a scientist's word for it. There's good scientists out there that will show you better than I can. Okay. Uh, Thank you. No problem. All right. Joe, I saw you flash. Did you, did you still need to... He, he good. Okay. I, I've, been, I've been back and forth and back and forth, but every time I raise my hand, y'all say a point that I was going to say, so there's no reason for me to say it. Okay, no. All right. Um, Daniel? Yeah. Right there, like where you see here on number 16, where it says, you shall not uncover her erva, that is the, the erva of uh, your brother's wife. It is your brother's erva. So right. if the wife is degraded in any sort of way, it is the brother's erva. We don't actually know for certain that Noah's erva wasn't something that happened to his wife either. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's, that's what I said I didn't want to get that's into. Good. Yeah, that's but good. I'm glad you said that because yeah. I don't want to get into. Right. We really don't know. We really we don't, don't know, know what happened, but it, it, it entirely could have been grandson, grandma kind of thing. Right. Because a woman is her husband's. It's a unique relationship. I looked at it when I, I looked at it, it was like none of the other ones. It's only a husband and wife where the wife's erva is also the husband's. That's right. It's only that relationship. And that and, and Tracy, this is what's pointing out that every sin, every act of of sexuality outside the husband wife relationship is indeed fornication. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. You shall not uncover that of the woman and her daughter, her son's daughter, her daughter's daughter. You shall not take a woman to her, to her sister, to be a rival to her, to uncover beside her in her lifetime. You shall not approach unto a woman to uncover her as long as she is impure by her uncleanness. All right. You shall not lie carnally with your neighbor's wife to defile yourself with her. These get tricky and I don't know if I want to get into these right now. Mm -hmm. We only have 10 minutes left. Okay. So I think this might be a good stopping point right here. Yeah. Everybody good with that? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I can go through the rest of the <laughs> Yeah, no. I'm uh, with you, Maureen. Yeah, <laughs> you thought the first part of this chapter was dicey, just wait. We're going to say that for next week. So let's pray. In the name of your son, we do give thanks for your Torah, for your word. We thank you for revealing to us that the front end and the back end of the book are connected, that it is continuous. 
and that we are to learn how to be righteous and reflect your truth by your Torah. And we thank you for it. We ask, Abba, that you give us success in revealing that act of love to the people around us. We ask you to be with us until we come back on, on Shabbat and assemble. Be with all of our congregants. And uh, we look forward to worshiping with you and your son. Amen. 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 Shalom, everybody. Thank you, Daniel. Um, Thank you. Somebody asked you a question. What's that? Somebody looked, uh, asked the question in the chat. Thanks for tuning in to listen to this week's Torah study class. In the description, you'll find all the links to our website and social media content. Please make sure you're subscribed to our podcast, as we can be found on all major podcast platforms. If you feel compelled to support this ministry, please feel free to do so by donating via the Get the Word Out link in the description. All proceeds go toward growing this platform and the Mikdash Mayat ministry. Till the next time, we pray God blesses you with shalom in the name of Yahweh Yeshua Mashiach.